¿Estás listo para convertir tus mejores ideas en un negocio en línea exitoso? Te presentamos Shopify. Tal vez no lo sabías, pero nuestro podcast More Than Mummies es un negocio. Y lo comenzamos, por supuesto, para desahogarnos y hablar sobre la maternidad, no para convertirnos en expertas de ventas y del e-commerce. Así que sí, necesitábamos ayuda para vender nuestro merch y poner en marcha nuestra tienda. Por eso estamos tan contentas de usar Shopify. Regístrate con tan solo un dólar por mes en shopify.com barra sonoro, todo en minúsculas. Ve a shopify.com barra sonoro para llevar tu negocio al siguiente nivel. Shopify.com barra sonoro. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. She could not understand what that even means. What does it mean to have a dream? One lady literally said, no one's ever asked me what my dream was. She just looked into my eyes and then she closed her eyes and she just smelt it. She smelt the uniform and it was like the first new thing that she'd ever smelled. To be able to know that I was capable of achieving more than what society considered. This is what someone who falls under these categories can achieve. Education is not a privilege. Education is a right. Education is peace. Welcome to the Global Goals Cast, the podcast that explores if we can change the world. I'm Edie Lush. And I am Claudia Romo Edelman. We're happy to have you here. Yeah, in this episode, we're going to talk about educating girls. Two stories, talking about how keeping girls in school changes their life, and so much more. Right after this. In every episode, we will give you sticky facts and figures that you will want to share with your friends over coffee. All Data is brought to you courtesy of SAS, our official analytics and data visualization partner. And you can go to our website at globalgoalscast.org to find even more data, visualizations, and maps. We love you, SAS. Our job in the Global Goals Cast is to tell you the stories of one of the most remarkable combined efforts in human history. 193 nations have set goals. From 12 years from now, everything from ending extreme poverty to fighting climate change and making the world a better place and making it for all. So with those ambitious goals, why are we focusing this episode to Education and Girl City? I remember the first time I met you, in fact, you said that if you scratch the surface of the goals, what you see is they're all super dependent on each other. So we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're also going to talk about how hard it is to reach these goals and how a failure in one goal or one area can undermine reaching all the other areas. They're so connected. So we're going to start with education and particularly educating girls because this is probably the most single, mm -hmm. most powerful step the world can take to improve not only girls' lives, but the lives of their families and actually the economies of, of countries. UN has called education the key, the foundation to all sorts of other goals like health, prosperity, mm -hmm. and amazingly even tolerance and peace. The goal overall within the Sustainable Development Goals is to provide by 2030 free education for everyone on primary and secondary school. It's such a huge task if you think about it. And if you think where we are right now, we have 120 million children between six and 15 years old that are out of school. And that's a huge challenge. 
more girls are in school now than in the past, mm -hmm. they're still more likely than boys to drop out or be kept out of school. And still too often families favor boys over girls when they're investing in education. Mm -hmm. Even though research shows keeping girls in school makes a huge difference. It is also regional, and a lot of these challenges happen in, in, in regions, for example, Sub-Saharan Africa and South and West Asia. And just in those areas, if every woman in those parts of the world would have a secondary education, child marriage would be reduced by two-thirds. Earnings of the woman would rise, early pregnancy and child labor would be reduced. You get it. I mean, like, it's a cycle, right? Mm, like, you would exactly. actually start changing the vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle. So here's Malala Yousafri, who's an activist and Nobel Prize laureate, explaining this situation. Education is not a privilege. Education is a right. Education is peace. Dear world leaders, promise us that you will keep your commitments and invest in our future. Promise that every child will have the right to safe, free, and quality primary and secondary education. That was Malala uh, talking at the United Nations. She is probably the most inspiring girl to girls. Mm. There is no doubt that girls know Malala and want to help and have become activists on education because of her. So the world is very long way from educating every child from today, but there's one thing that is clear. There's not one grand solution that we can take and think, okay, so if we would do one thing, it would happen. I think that we have to realize that for progress over the next 12 years in which we have to commit to achieve this goal has to be done one by one, student by student, school by school, a thousand small steps that would add to the big dream. Okay, so we've got two stories that show this. Two girls, one's from India, the other one is from Texas. A Hispanic, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Both of them are now finishing college, and that is thanks to some inventive efforts and actually quite a few efforts. Lots of thousand small steps on either side that kept them in the school. First of all, we're going to go to India and talk about Priti and her rural school. And things that I took for granted, things that my kids take for granted, having textbooks, having a toilet, and having a new uniform, having a uniform at all, make a huge world of difference. And actually, you can see pictures of Priti and her school on our website. That's globalgoalscast.org. Which is very cool. So I spoke to Dr. Janetta Monosoff-Haley. She's the co-founder of the Sri Nityananda Education Trust. She's originally from Oregon. Actually, she went to St. Mary's uh, in the Bay Area, uh, which is very near to where I'm from. She's actually she moved to Taos, New Mexico. She's been living in India for the last few years. I spoke to her about going to school in the tribal areas. And Janetta works with the Adivasi people. Now, these are a collection of tribal people who are some of the poorest in India. Yeah. They live under or close to the definition for extreme poverty. It's the $1.90 a day range, which the UN goal number one commits the world to eradicating. Saraswati Secondary School has about 90% Adivasi. And these are people who are very forgotten by the Indian government. Some of them are half farms, but maybe a couple acres at the most. So their schooling is substandard compared to anything in the cities. 
and the children have to do their chores before they ever go to school. So the girls particularly are up maybe at four or five with mom in the morning to wash clothes and bathe and cook before they ever get to go to school. So it's a really a, a tough life. For these tribal children, the cost of a uniform you know, might be 1,200 rupees, which can be very expensive for them. And the girls might not get their parents to buy them a uniform because why should we educate our girl? Because they're just going to get married and move in with another family. It's not worth the investment to educate her. Saraswati Secondary School, when we first met them, there were 200 students and there were no bathrooms for the girls. So what that means is the girls either have to hold it or they go home in the middle of the day to pee or they go in a bush. And so a lot of girls drop out because there's no bathroom. The other thing we noticed is the school only had five sets of textbooks for these 200 children or per class of 60, I guess it was. So we did a fundraising to buy them books. So we bought enough books so every 10 children had a book to share. I mean, how can you study math without a textbook? I mean, how can you study anything without bringing your book home or at least being able to stay after school an hour and study? One of the biggest problems here in, in the tribal area is that the girls are getting pregnant early because the fathers want to marry them off and get them off of their dining table and get them off into the new table. And they might be getting married at 15, 16. Now, that's against the law, but out here in the tribal area, there's no police. You know, there's none of the services we're so used to in the West. So these kids just fall through the cracks. Having a baby when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, your own body has not matured. You're not producing the healthiest baby you can. So there is a drive to try and keep girls in school so they won't have to go off and get married and have a baby before they're ready. At least till 18 is, is considered the minimum. So many of these women, they've never had a dream. One lady literally said, no one's ever asked me what my dream was. For Pretty, who's 16, 17 at that point, it's just not a concept about having a future, particularly if you come from a poor family. And maybe the dream is she's going to have a nice husband and a, a nice mother-in-law, and, uh, and maybe they won't be too mean to her. So these are some of the poorest people in India, and into the scene walked two international kids who came up with a creative way to help these children. They were visiting with their parents who were volunteering at a school Janetta's trust was involved in. And those are Finn and Dali from Nalu. As they were like volunteering as chiropractors and like chiropracting and adjusting all these kids, me and my sister were making friends on the playgrounds with these kids because we were in the very school that they were at. Well, we just loved being and visiting with our friends and they loved chiropracting so much that we went back there every single year. But one year when we came back, we realized that some of our friends were actually gone. So we did some research and we asked the teachers and other kids and they said that they were gone because they simply didn't have a school uniform. And that's how we started Nalo actually, because we simply just wanted to help our kids get back to school and get their school uniform. As a 13-year-old girl, I just couldn't believe that something so simple and so ordinary like a uniform had such a crazy, huge, measurable effect and an impact. I could really see myself in these kids. I couldn't imagine these kids not being in school or being in a dangerous situation. This is something we simply did not like and 
we were going to change this and this has just turned into our passion. What now really comes down to is that it really does break the poverty cycle, you know? You have a uniform and you can go to school. For every four products that we sell, we give one school uniform. Mm -hmm. um, so it's four for one. Yeah, four for one. But it's like, you know, um, letting the way that you live um, being the way that you give at the same time. That's kind of our, our motto, I guess. You know, you Very should be good. able to um, not have to go out of your way to give. You know, you shouldn't have to go on some website to donate to this organization or that organization. You should just be able to live your normal life, wear the clothes that you like to wear, eat the food that you like to food, just... Um, Brush you know, your teeth every morning. Live your normal <laughs> life and at the same time be able to give back, you know? Mm -hmm. This is where the buy one, give one sort of comes in place where you get a product that you want to wear, say a shirt or a cap or a backpack, um, and at the same time you give children the opportunity to stay in school. It's that simple. The very first school uniform was given to a girl called Pretty, and she was about to leave school um, because she couldn't afford to pay for her uniform, and she'd never owned anything new before in her whole entire life. And then um, when I gave her a uniform, she just looked into my eyes and you know, in that moment, I really knew that Nalu was going to work. You know, either it didn't matter what was going to happen after that, at least we made one little impact, you know, like it worked. Um, she just looked into my eyes and then she closed her eyes and she just smelt it. She smelt the uniform and it was like the first new thing that she'd ever smelled. And then she just ran to the bathroom and put on her new uniform and then she walked out on like the red dusty school plane and she looked like she, she was just glowing. She was so happy because that uniform was so much more than just a piece of clothing for her. It was, it was the key to her freedom, you know? She could now stay in school instead of having to be at home and who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Actually what we found out on our last giving trip is she's going to college now. So that was like, oh my god, like me and Dali was, that was one of our happiest moments. That this first school uniform recipient that we'd given, if we didn't give her that school uniform, she'd now probably be pregnant like her other sisters. She's now in college, like studying what she loves. Those were Finn and Dali from Nalu. I love their enthusiasm. I love how children are taking the world in their hands and they are not going to stop and wait until someone bigger and older and a system and a government is going to take change. Mm. They want to be empowered. They want to decide what they do, taking action and actually involving children like mine into Nalu. Janetta also explains how making the uniforms gave work to the other people in their community. We've been teaching women how to sew for almost 10 years, even before we got here. And then women would come to me and say, I want work. I want to earn money. I don't care about the certificate. Give me a job. I decided to see if I could figure out how to do a workshop. And we started with quilt making. And over a weekend workshop, we trained 18 women on how to make quilts. At the end of the workshop, we hired eight of them. And now we're up to 35. And making the uniforms is kind of takes up three months of our work because the last last year it was 775 uniforms. So this is what I love about Nalu. The kids were supported by the parents to set up Nalu. Mm. And then they created this model in which they work with Janetta's Trust, who pays the women in the area to make the uniforms. And then the uniforms go, go to, to the, the kids. kids. I love it. It's great. Dolly and Finn's father, Visma, tells us more. 
I think it's a really interesting one as a parent actually because they started it when they were 10 and 13. Yeah, 10 and 13. I mean, it's just grown quite organically actually, but at a certain point, I mean, we just had gnarly t shirts and sweaters even blocking the doorways, and there were so many products in the house. So at a certain stage, we were like, okay, you know, the business is actually working, we're having an impact, but at the same time, they were still kids. So, how do you protect a child from the unnecessary things that a child doesn't really need to know about a business? Like, I didn't want the children to know about cash flow when they were 10 and 13. They were just living this dream of selling t-shirts and giving school uniforms. So we just wanted to protect them from that. But what I really like sharing with them is, is the giving trips. As a family, going into these poor communities in India and making an impact and letting the children find out from their own friends and seeing these children each year and going to different schools and exploring new places and keeping these, let's say, poor village children in school. As a mother, I can identify with Bismarck's desire to protect his own kids from the harsh realities of this world. But in reality, if you think about it, if you're in India, there's no one to protect you from those realities. And, and there's so many harsher realities in the world of Janeta, she explained. So while Priti is in college, her future is yet to be written. These schools are so poor. Think of it. Your teachers aren't getting paid. These uh, tribal schools do not draw the best teachers. And they're so overworked, they've got 60 kids to a class, and so there's no time for career counseling or exploring what might be possible after they finish the 10th standard, the 12th standard. Why even take the exam? So in terms of a uniform, yes, they got a uniform. Yes, they're in school. They could show up at school. But why? Why go to school? And what possible opportunities are out there, somebody needs to explain these things and inspire them to go forward. So Pritchie's not getting any of that. We have some girls who have graduated, got jobs as engineers, and one of my favorites, she graduated as an engineer, got a job, and now she just got married this year, and her face is on Facebook, and she's so happy, and she's a success story. I have to say I love this story. It isn't the super shiny story that I'd love to hear that Pretty's doing amazingly well at college. She's setting her sights really high. She's challenging herself. But you know what? We have to be super realistic. She's not pregnant. She's not married. She's in school. She's got books. She's got a toilet. Yeah. And none of her other sisters ended up in college. She's the only one who got this far. And so when you're supporting these small organizations, think of Pretty. Those are the small steps that can make the big difference. And when we come back, we're going to look at a school that goes the next step in guiding girls. Global Goals Cast has the most incredible network of partners that contribute with ideas, stories, and evidence points to bring you the most relevant, interesting, and compelling Goals Cast content. Particular thanks to UNICEF today. Welcome back. So now we're going to share a story about the Ann Richards School in Austin, Texas, and one of its first students whose name is Denise. So the school is named after the female governor of Texas who set it up before she died. And it's doing the things that Janetta wishes that she could be doing for the schoolgirls in India. I actually met Ann Richards' daughter, Ellen. Mm-hmm. I in, remember when you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. She made a big impression. I love her. And she, I met her in Austin this year during South by Southwest. And she told me what makes this school so special. 
It has a STEAM focus, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and we work with girls to get them through high school, prepared for college, and then we're now developing programming to get them through college. The school was created with the idea of giving opportunity to girls who show promise but lack opportunity. And so a majority of the girls that go to the school come from economically disadvantaged families and would be considered at risk. Mm -hmm. And the goal of the school is to give them a true opportunity to achieve academic success and to pursue their goals to go to college. We wrap around the whole girl and really look at not just their academics, but what are their leadership opportunities and how do we build those? How are they taking care of themselves and what are they learning about their bodies and what they need to do to be successful and take care of themselves both physically and mentally? And then again, the college-bound programming. So we look at a multitude of aspects of their lives and really want to put them on the path for success by giving them that strong academic foundation, the leadership skills, the wellness understanding, and then that opportunity to go to college. There's so many amazing girls, um, and it really is just something incredible to see a girl come in as a sixth grader, scared, not knowing what to expect, and then to walk across the stage at graduation, confident and ready to take on the world. But one girl I can think of um, who graduated last year came with just such an incredible story. Her, she had come to this country when she was about two from Mexico with her mother. Her father was in prison. There really wasn't much of a future for her. And she heard about the Ann Richards School when she was in elementary school. And she just decided that that's where she wanted to go. She knew this was the place for her to be. And so she worked hard and she got into the school and stood up in front of a crowd of um, folks at a gala fundraiser we had to tell her story and the success that she's had and now she's graduated in at an Ivy League school. I'd like to say that she's rare in our group mm. but she's not. Many of the girls come with very serious and tragic stories but find their place at Ann Richards, get the support that they need to excel and then are going on to do great things and they're really, they're not only changing their own lives but they're changing the lives of their community. So more recently, we caught up with one of the students from the school, Denise Vera. The one of the things that the Ann Richards School did really well is that they believed in you. And they taught me to not let my socioeconomic background define me. And I think that's one of the things I'll always get from the Ann Richards School, as well as the fact that I need to believe in myself and my capabilities. And they provided me with the environment to be able to test myself, to be able to know that I was capable of achieving more than what society considered um, standard for. Oh, this is what someone who falls under these categories can achieve. When our stepdad was in our lives, he had this very specific definition of what a role of a woman was and what a role of a man was. And I think just realizing, you know, you don't fit into that definition and you are capable of achieving more and you can get a higher education. Well, you will get a higher education and you can go even further on from that. When you come in and you're a Hispanic and you are a first generation college student and you're low income, you just don't have that base to go off of. Everything is new for you and all you need is to have that one teacher that believes in you and that doesn't automatically limit you because of your English fluency or because you look a certain way. 
high school has been a rough um, time for our family, but specifically within my 11th grade year, um, when I had to take on two jobs because my mom didn't have electricity. And I had to take on two jobs, and I had to get up early in the morning and go to McDonald's um, to get my internet. I remember during my 11th grade year when we didn't have electricity, and Ms. Goka, our principal, came in on Sunday because she heard about our situation because my sister and I, we didn't really like to tell people about what was going on. But the teachers are amazing as always. So like they told Ms. Goga about our situation. And so what happened was that Ms. Goga came in um, one Saturday morning and she picked us up um, from home and she opened up the schools that we could have access to the internet and to the laptops. I remember we walked in on that Sunday morning and Ms. Goka took us in to her office and she told us, girls, I know y'all are going through a hard time, but I just want y'all to know that I believe that y'all will overcome this because y'all are so strong. And our school was really good about providing us with resources. Like our librarian gave me a small laptop to use so that I would be able to do my work outside of home. You know, just having that support specifically during those difficult times, I think that's what really resonated. I'm pretty sure if I wouldn't have had the support of the school and I wouldn't have had them believing in me that I wouldn't have believed in myself. Um, and I would definitely question whether or not I would have decided to pursue a higher education. So there's a school that gives you dreams, right? Principals taking you to school on the weekend and telling Denise and her sister that they believe in her, librarians giving laptops, having Wi-Fi having resources, inspirational teachers, and a really focused goal on producing female leaders. Denise will be the first in her family to graduate from college. She is passionate about helping others like her, and I am passionate about finding Hispanic leaders and potential Latina power like her. Oh, I'm doing a lot of things. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm coordinating a program called Corazón within a nonprofit known as Amigos. As the Corazón coordinator, I work with students fifth to eighth grade. We focus on two main goals. The first one is empowering Latino students through their culture. And the second one is guiding them through the process of acquiring leadership skills that will help them in the future, but overall just providing this environment where students can believe in themselves and in their potential. So we've heard two inspiring stories, but Claudia, how does this represent where we are in reaching the goal of giving every child a primary and secondary education? I think that one of the biggest issues for me when it comes to education are twofold. The first one is that if Christine Lagarde says that poverty is sexist, I think that education is sexist too. And I have a problem with the equity equation because in that category you have the most marginalized, be the disabled, the girls, uh, the ones that are in rural areas where you don't reach, you know, like you, you really need to be walking three days to get to school. But at the same time, girls are really exposed to not get an education because a mother, and I've seen it everywhere that I travel around the world, 
I know that a mother that has a lot of children, and children are, in many instances, for a family that is not educated, they are their security net. So families have a lot of children in order mm. to support them they, when they grow old. And naturally, they think that if there's any future, it should be for the boys. And so they send the boys to the school and the girls to pick up the water and help them mm. with the house. And get up at four in the morning and, 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 and do get the laundry. And, and also the risks that are attached to discrimination and vulnerability and the world being making a lot of progress in education, uh, but not not for all. Mm. I mean, like, there's so much progress, and we're managing actually to get every time more people in school and people in school for longer. So not only for until they are six years old, we're managing to increase the number of years in which children are getting into school. So that's why stories like Nalu is fascinating because mm. you, you prolong the story through little pieces like Nalu giving a uniform. Yeah, and every single year that you keep that girl in school is another year that she doesn't have a baby, she doesn't get married, her body isn't being subjected to something that she's not ready for. Exactly. And the chances she gets a little more education, she gets a little bit more perception of the world, and maybe she goes to do something else. What I was so struck by that Ann Richards school is that they teach the whole girl. So they're really concerned about how she deals with her body, mm-hmm. how she learns to speak. Focusing on mathematics, on science, and also thinking about your community, thinking about where you came from, and also thinking about giving back. So if you've gained something from this education, then what are you going to do to give back to the people that you came from? We probably should commit for our 2018 podcast just to have a lens on girls mm. overall, what we're doing, because we know that, you know, like whatever happens when you invest in girls, you're going to see the returns in so many other areas. So we're openly accepting our bias towards <laughs> looking at life through yeah. our lens of girls. Yeah. And maybe someday Pretty and Denise will take over this podcast. Or join us at least. Yeah. Let's get them in. There are three things that I think that can capture the three smart pieces of data that we want to talk about that capture how far we have to go. So there's 250 million children who can't read write, or even do basic math. There's 121 million children between 6 and 15 who aren't in school at all. And children themselves actually care a lot about this. There's a UNICEF survey of 14 countries where children identified education, terrorism, and poverty as the issues they wanted world leaders to tackle. So we always want to leave you with actions you can take to be part of changing the world. So if you're interested in education and you want to do more, go to our website, globalgoalscast.org, where our partners from Action Button will help you do that. We want to end this episode of the Global Goalscast with a word of inspiration from rapper and entrepreneur and my friend, Will I Am, who has been campaigning for the importance of learning, particularly science, math, and art. And here we got together at the Goalskeeper Summit in September, hosted by Bill and Melinda Gates. Young people, don't just compete over here. You can compete over there. And whoever told you you couldn't are afraid that you will. So compete. Someone told me that the world is based on greed and fear. Those greedy people are fearful that you're going to compete with them. And you have the ability to speak. There's more people like you than there are like them. So compete. Talk directly to the people that are like you. That's the simple message. If you're in freaking... Some Pueblo in Mexico, if you're in the ghetto in East L.A. or the Bronx or, you know, if you're in uh, Fifth Ward, Mississippi, 
think about how you're going to contribute to the world of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's not impossible. Thank you for listening. Our next episode looks at migration. And if you want to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes, subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Global Goalscast for the latest news and developments. And that was Edi Lush, and I am Claudia Romo Edelman. Edi Lush, I'm Edi Lush. <laughs>to all our UN and NGO partners. We are also grateful for the support of Hub Culture, Freud's Communication, SAS, Saatchi and & Saatchi, and CBS News Digital. We'd like to recognize Peter Gabriel's role as an activist and humanitarian, as well as a phenomenal musician. Music in this episode by Peter Gabriel and Simon James. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.